You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. This is Real Presence Live. Steve Splunskowski along with Tom O'Keefe. And this hour we are joined by Devin Schott. He is the Executive Director of the Fathers of St. Joseph, and he is also coming to the Fargo Diocese here at the end of January to lead a men's retreat we're holding out at Maryville. Devin, Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas to you. How has, uh, how has your Christmas octave been going so far? So far, so good. You know, it's the, uh, it's the most expensive time of the year. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's great. It's just... Uh, you know, the aftermath, you realize how much you've spent, <laughs> but no, it's been excellent. We've been able to spend it with family, and it's been beautiful. How about you? Oh, it's been great. We've just been sharing this last half hour, Devin, just talking about really these days after Christmas with the Saint, you know, read the readings at Mass with the fe- the feasts that we've been celebrating with St. Stephen and St. John, and now the Holy Innocents today, um, really just kind of mm-hmm. uh, really reveling um, and, and, and basking in the beauty of the celebration following these a few days after Christmas. Yeah, today's gospel is very powerful, very powerful. I'd lo- in fact, it, it really is dovetails into, you know, what we're going to be talking about on this retreat, but you, you look at today's gospel where Herod wanted to destroy the Christ child, and then you have a juxtaposition with St. Joseph, and so Herod is He's a tetrarch. He's a he's a pagan father. He is he kills his own children, and in order to maintain his own power, he's willing to kill others for that. And then you have Joseph, on the other hand, who's hidden, silent, and humble. We would call it little in the spiritual life, and he he conceals Christ by night. And that night, actually, it says. They fled by night. That night is a symbol of the dark night of fatherhood. It's unnoticed by the world. The world lauded. In fact, the world thinks it's ridiculous. Um, and, you know, at times we feel that we're leading lives of futility as fathers and husbands when the world is telling us that we have to be bigger and prouder and louder and stronger and more well-known and noticed like Herod. And really there's a juxtaposition here. Who is upheld in the long run? St. Joseph. He is lauded through the ages as the one who protected the Christ child, embraced the child, embraced the mother, Mother Mary, and therefore he is the man, you know, he is the real man, whereas Herod is the fool. And I think that in our world, that's what we're offered. We have power, and then we have God's power. So you have what, what Herod is offering, or what the world offers to Herod, which is to be powerful in the world. And then you have what God offers to be powerful in the spirit. Well, in many ways, too, I love what you're saying here, Devin, because let's let's throw in that third party that shows up in the gospel, which is the three magi, right? They're just they're kind of mentioned that they go back by a different route. But in a certain sense, as you're talking, I'm thinking they're kind of the audience because they're not mm-hmm. believers, right? They're they're outside looking in, but they're still they're they're drawn by this star to this prophecy of, of a Messiah. And they're on the outside looking and saying, wait a minute, so here's this Herod guy who wants to destroy the Messiah, and here's this other, this other family that is really giving everything. And, and, and in many ways with our work in ministry with men, there are many men who are on the outside looking in saying, okay, what is this all about? I see men who are over here trying to amass power, and I see men over here who are trying to give everything. Who should I be? 
Mm. I love that. Yeah, and I think that when they arrive, what do they see? But they see humility. You know, they see poverty. In fact, the scripture, I think, also says that they found the child with his mother. And that's where we begin our spiritual life, really, is if we're to be like Christ, we're to find him with his mother. And for a man, you know, I think that, you know, the boy, he grows up as a mama's boy, but then there's this point in his life where he has to go through a rite of passage where he breaks free from the tether, so to speak, the emotional tethers of his mom, and he has to come back and, in a sense, be a man. And But the first step for us as spiritual sons, I really believe, is to do what Christ did, and that is entrust ourselves to the Blessed Mother. And that's where all the success, if you want to talk about success in what really matters, that's where it begins. Because if you get her, if you have a relationship with her, she obtains all things from Christ, as we see with the wedding in Cana, and we also see how Joseph was blessed by embracing her. She's kind of like the nexus, you know. If you think about it, she's the mother of the Son of God. She is the daughter of the Father. She is the bride of the Spirit. And that's all God's divinity converging on her from above. And then from below, in a sense, you have St. Joseph and her earthly marriage. And so Mary becomes this nexus, you know, this hub, this place of common meeting between the divine and the earthly. And I, I really believe that's where it begins for us as men. And so, in a sense, we are mama's boys, you know. <laughs> well, and I think that's a, a great uh, reflection there, Devin. Now, if you just joined us, we're talking to Ve- Devin Schott. He is coming to the Fargo Diocese um, here the end of January, the 19th through the 21st, leading a men's retreat at Maryville. Uh, I know there's only like a couple of beds left, so you could certainly try to sign up for that. I think we've got about uh, 60, between 60 and 70 guys coming on retreat really to to really focus in on this relationship with the Lord. And, and, and Devin, at this retreat, our focus here is on men becoming leaders in their own family, men becoming spiritual leaders in their own family. <laughs> Talking about St. Joseph, I mean, certainly a great model of, of leadership in the family. No, absolutely. I mean, and I think that St. Joseph, in a sense, doesn't get his due, and he probably wants it that way, you know, but I think that when you look at what's happening in the dynamic of the Holy Family, and I think this is very powerful, and to speak, he's a paradigm for fatherhood, he's a paradigm for spiritual leadership, because if you notice, after the Annunciation, so when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary, announces that she will be the mother of God Most High, the Son of God, after that, all the directives, all the divine directives from God, from heaven, to that family, are to Joseph, in a dream. And go here, do this, do that. And what is God saying? I'm establishing Joseph as the spiritual head, if you will, of that family. It doesn't mean he's holier than Mary, it doesn't mean he's better at anything than Mary, it's just this is the divine paradigm, this is the position that God has given him and all men and their families, and when a father leads, generally, you get the wife and you get the kids, and that's what we notice in the stats across the board. I mean, like, if you just look at some of the stats, it's just kind of crazy. It's just crazy because you have, like, what, 90% of youths in prison come from fatherless homes? Dads have twice as much influence as mom and saving off their teens from premarital sex. Columbia researchers found that children who live in two-parent households who have a strained relationship with their father are 68% more likely to use drugs and alcohol. But then 
if a father's the, if a mother's the first to convert to Christianity, there's a 17% probability that the family will follow. But if the father's the first to convert to Christianity, there's a 93% probability that the family will follow. So the father is of unique and irreplaceable importance, as John Paul II says in Familiar's Consortia. So we have, we have a job to do as spiritual leaders, and it's very important, and it's the dark night of fatherhood. You know, you talk a little bit more about, about Joseph and, and, his, and his ministry. You know, we were, we were talking earlier before he came on about how much of the, the Christ life we didn't know about, you know, other than yeah. the, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the finding in the temple. But so much of his life would have been shared with Joseph in prayer, at synagogue, uh, learning his faith, di- discipline uh, in, in that humble work life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you, you know, we, we hear the term the school of Nazareth, you know. Uh, I think maybe it was Paul VI who, I don't know if he coined that, but I think he used it a lot and even wished that he could go back to the school of Nazareth and be taught there. And I think what we, you know, the, si- the, the silence in the Scripture regarding the childhood of Christ and what took place in Nazareth speaks profoundly of what life is really all about, because it's in the simplicity, the hiddenness, the silence, the prayer, the serving, the sacrificing for one another. That's where life is born. That's where legacies are left. And I think that social media has really done us, it's good in one sense, but it's really done us an injustice, because most of the time, all we do is we see everybody's happy faces, and the vacations they're on, and how great their life is, and we compare it to our own, and we say, my life is so normal and common and, and you know, unaccomplished, right? But yet the greatest accomplishments, this is what God does. I love what God does. He takes the little, and He makes them great. He takes the insignificant and makes that significant. He takes the uncommon and makes it common and takes the natural and makes it supernatural, and that's what He did with the Holy Family, and that's what He will do with us. And what's the secret to the Holy Family? Self-giving love. Joseph and Jesus crafted the cross of self-giving love in that workshop in Nazareth. So Joseph prepared Jesus for his ultimate gift of sacrifice through all that little serving, that little sacrifice, and same with Mary. And Jesus himself prepared Joseph for his own ultimate uh, exit from this world, but also, also giving Jesus to, to his ministry, to the world. Uh, if you're just joining us, Devin Schott is speaking. He is our. He is going to lead our retreat coming up in January at Maryville. Uh, again, that, that retreat is almost full, but if you want to sign up for it, you can go to FargoDiocese.org um, and click on the uh, or forward slash MFG or focus on um, uh, click on the ministries there, and you, it'll take you to the men's page, men's ministry page, uh, where we have a couple of openings left. But also keep in mind, folks, that we have a lot of men's retreats coming up throughout the year. Out at Maryville, we have another, uh, another Sticklestad retreat coming up in the summer. We have a lot of women's, retreat at Mar- women's retreats at Maryville. Uh, because the value of retreat, okay, the word retreat in war, retreat is usually a bad thing. But in life, retreat is a good thing because we take a step back and you know, reconnoiter. We take another accounting of where we're at so we know how to move forward. And so if in, in this new year, if you want to make a New Year's resolution, one recommendation, go on a retreat. And even make that resolution to go on an annual retreat. You know, men, annual retreat. Women, annual retreat. Couples, annual retreat. Take a step back. Look at where you're at. Because very often we have the sense that we're just moving in a direction. Imagine yourself 
Um, you know, I think this is from uh, Stephen Covey's book on seven habits of highly effective uh, of leaders. But it's it really that sense of sometimes we're going through the forest and we can't tell what direction we're going because there's so many obstacles in front of us. And we got to climb up, look over the trees periodically and see if we're going in the right direction. And that's what a retreat is for, to step back. And Devin Schott is going to come here uh, in January, the end of January 19th to the 21st, and help us lead a men's retreat, really focusing again on where we're going and how we're going to get there. And folks, speaking of getting there, we're coming to the, a break right here at uh, closer to the top of the hour. We're going to continue this conversation on the other side of the break, but we'll be right back. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo De Filippis of St. Luke Productions. Living Like the Prophets. We can indeed recognize something of God's plan. This knowledge goes beyond that of my personal fate and my individual path. By its light, we can look back on history as a whole and see that this is not a random process, but a road that leads to a particular goal. We can come to know an inner logic, the logic of God, within apparently chance happenings. Even if this does not enable us to predict what is going to happen at this or that point, nonetheless, we may develop a certain sensitivity for the dangers contained in certain things and for the hopes that are in others. A sense of the future develops in that I see what destroys the future because it is contrary to the inner logic of the road and what, on the other hand, leads onward because it opens the positive doors and corresponds to the inner design of the whole. To that extent, the ability to diagnose the future can develop. It's the same with the prophets. They are not to be understood as seers, but as voices who understand time from God's point of view and can therefore warn us against what is destructive and on the other hand, show us the right road forward. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. This is Real Presence Live, Steve Sponskowski, along with Tom O'Keefe. And we are visiting with Devin Schott. He is coming to us in January for a men's retreat at Maryville, 19th to the 21st, focusing that retreat, about 60 or 70 guys, uh, focusing on becoming spiritual leaders in our families. And as on the other side of the break, Devin, you kind of shared this, these statistics about how important the father is in the family, how much our leadership really makes a difference in the sense that if a father enters into the church, you know, enters into the faith, active, uh, actively into his faith, really the children, right, the chance is like 90% that they're going to become actively involved in their faith as well. Um, and not, not to say that mothers aren't important, because obviously we know that, 
that they're, they're, they're really the heart of the family. Oftentimes we hear them referred to as the heart of the family, Tom. And this theme came as a request from some of the guys that they were, they were hungry for this. They wanted to know, how do I do this? How do I lead my family? We've got a, a group of a number of guys that have come to different retreats. And so that this is something that men are realizing they need to step up and do. Well, I think it was one of the things we stand out where we're talking about the women as the heart of the family. Men, women are, are really oftentimes more naturally um, interested in relationships, right? They're, they're interested in the people around them um, and what's going on and how they're doing. And so they're drawn to that relationship. And so they're maybe more aware of that need for a relationship, not only with others, but also with God. Whereas we men, we're sometimes more focused on things and getting something done or accomplishing something. And so if someone's in the way, we tell, hey, could you move aside? I have a project to do versus how are you doing today, right? And so we have to be, we have to be stretched a little bit um, in order to be aware of the value of relationships and what, what kind of impact I have on relationships. Devin, Devin what, do you, what, do you, what do you think? No, absolutely. I totally agree. Um, I think that relationships, especially for men, but I think relationships in general is the most difficult thing we will ever do on this side of heaven. And the reason is, is because relationship is based on trust and then self-giving. And just to demonstrate how difficult it is to give and to trust in being a gift to another, all you have to do is look at the cross. I mean, in heaven, you've got three persons who are so self-giving, they are one. God is one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are literally in the other, giving themselves to the other, and that's the community of saints. We enter into that in heaven, but you take that and put that in a sinful context in our humanity, and what happens is we're misunderstood, you know, or it gets warped into manipulation or whatever it is. So relationships are very hard, but especially like you're saying for men, because we are doers, you know, married Mary said, let it be done. Joseph did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. That's kind of the difference between the female genius and the masculine genius, is that we're doers. And so sometimes it is very difficult for us to enter into relationships, but this is the key to the man. If he can figure out how to do that, and yet still remain that doer to accomplish when he needs to, then you've got a guy who's, he's, you know, he's, He's accomplishing perfection. And you, you look at the creation account, it's very powerful, because God creates Adam and he gives him a series of commands, you know, till and keep the garden. That means to, literally in the Hebrew to, to cherish and to protect. So that means he knows there's an enemy out there. He's called to eat from all the trees except for one, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, etc., etc. And where was Eve when God gave Adam all these commands? She didn't even exist. That's very important, because Adam's not only called to be a protector, to protect the garden of woman, if you will, because Hebrew literature, she, garden is a symbol of woman a lot of times, but she's called, he's called to be a protector, yes, a provider, yes, but also a priest. He's called to transmit the commands of God, and in the family, it, that's where relationship is, is fueled and forged, is when a man takes up his role as a spiritual leader, and then he's enough and courageous enough to have his own prayer life, have his own relationship with God, because you cannot give what you don't have, but then enter into that and then give that through service and sacrifice and love to your family and, and to your wife, especially the trailhead of the family is marriage. And so, but, and we're going to get into this on the retreat, this is the most difficult thing to do, is to enter into relationships. So we're going to talk about how to do that in a more intentional way. 
Well, I think one of the great things you talk about there, Devin, is as you're talking about this, and we, you can't even use the phrase, we a man have to figure out how to, and that's what we always think as men, I got to figure this out. But the Lord is there. He, he has already figured it out. He just really yeah. wants us to step back and say, okay, Lord, how do I do this? Because the Lord can show us and he can do it in us and through us if we are open to him. Um, and sometimes, as we were talking earlier, Devin, uh, we were talking about how even in this Christmas season, we move from anticipation to anticipation to anticipation and never stop in the moment that we anticipated. We anticipate Christmas and Christmas comes the next day. Okay, take the tree down. We're done here. Wait a minute. We've been spending how many weeks in anticipation and now it's over? We have to stop and stay in this moment with the Lord and say, okay, Lord, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do this in me? Because I can't figure it out. I don't know. Maybe that's just my problem. I, but I feel like I, I sit, I've been spending 47 years trying to figure out how to be a good, a good you know, son, a good brother. Uh, the last 23 years, how to be a good husband. And the last 20 years, how to be a good father. I can't figure it out. But I know that the Lord does these things in my life where he's like, here's how we're going to do this. And I just have to be available and listen. Yeah, that's great. The anticipation is senseless without the participation. So so this is the key. What you're talking about here, I believe, is receptivity, something that's very difficult for men. And what I mean by that is the bride of Christ is called to be receptive before the bridegroom, to receive. It is not you who chose me, God says, but I chose you. That is God is initiator. God always initiates. We receive from that initiation of self-giving love of God. But the problem with many of us, because we're doers and figure-it-out, solution-based, goal-oriented men, we, we don't want to be receptive. In fact, we resist it. And the key is, you can determine everything by this one thing. What's your prayer life like? How much time do you spend with the Lord in the morning? How much time do you spend just waiting on Him in silence? Because you cannot give what you don't have. So, so this is the key. Receptivity. Look at, look at Christ. I love this in Mark. Very early in the Gospel of Mark, after He spent the night healing everybody in the village of Capernaum, there, Peter's, Peter's village there, what does it say? Very early in the morning, before the light of dawn, Jesus got up, He went out into the wilderness, and He prayed to His Father. Three steps. Before the dawn, you rise. Second, you go out to a desert place, some place where you get away from the computers and all the paperwork and get away from the unfolded laundry, whatever it is, and then you have a conversation with the Father, and you wait on Him. And that's how Peter found Jesus. And then that was Jesus' fuel for His ministry. That's our fuel for everything. And so that demands receptivity, and vulnerability and trust before God, because a lot of times it's going to feel like he's not even speaking. But you remain there, and you remain with him, and eventually you do that for a long enough period of time, and God will begin to transform you, and through you, transform the world around you. That's the key. And so when we talk about figuring it out, the participation is this. You look at the wedding at Cana. So Jesus could have just created the wine without anybody's help. But what does he do? He says to the servants, take those six stone jars and fill them with water, 20 to 30 gallons. And after they got done doing all that work, his 20 to 30 gallon jars with water in them are very heavy. A lot of sweating going on. But what happens after they fill those jars, after they do all that hard work, 
What do they have in those jars? Water. And that's the problem. We think that we can transform water into wine. No. We can only participate by fulfilling his commands, and we're only going to hear his commands, and no way's asking of us if we're praying and listening to him. But if we do this, and this is the key with the participation, he will transform it. He will transform our work, the efforts that we have, all this. He will transform it into divine wine that is grace for us, for our marriages, for our children and others. And I think a lot of us right now are on our heels because the devil is so strong right now. The world is so strong, and he's attacking our families from the inside out. And we men, we feel helpless because we're at odds with our wives, we're at odds with our children, and we're wondering how we can, yes, figure it out. But this is the key. It begins with you and your relationship with the Lord, and then you begin filling those jars with water. And I love what it says there. They filled it to the brim. That means they did it with excellence and a lot of effort for the Lord. And then it was the Lord who transformed their works into divine wine. And he can do that with each and every one of us. And this talk about participation and stuff is, is so powerful because as men, we want to build something. You know, if you want to get something done, you get a group of men and they build something. But it's that participation with the Lord. And through that prayer life you're talking about, Devin, that's how we really truly build something that lasts. That how we measure the success as a, as a father, as a, as a brother, as a son is, is through those relationships and building a spiritual thing that lasts Absolutely. in our family. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that this is the Achilles heel of the church right now, is that most men, unfortunately, we do not know how to pray as we ought, as the Scripture says, right? Um, Paul says in Romans. But we really, because we don't know how to pray as we ought, we don't pray <laughs> because we're afraid. We're afraid of many things. We're afraid that God isn't going to show up. Or we're afraid that he is going to show up and that he's going to reveal something to us that we don't want revealed or that we're going to have to change. But I'm telling you right now, God wants to make you an incredible man. And it happens by you and I being courageous enough to enter the silence every day and develop that prayer routine and just watch him, watch him work in our lives. It's amazing. Well, Devin, uh, we do have a, a hard break at the top of the hour. We want to thank you for being with us, and I'm uh, looking forward to seeing you in January for that men's retreat at Maryville. Devin Schott, everybody, thank you so much for being with us today. All right, and we're going to step away for a break, but on the other side of the break, we're going to have a conversation about a gentleman who left the church and then came back to the church. We'll talk with him on the other side of the break. We'll be right back. <laughs> 